0: Welcome to another episode of the Rugby Buzz, a brand new podcast brought to you by H&HB Events. My name is Mark Hartery and I'll be your host as I chat to rugby stars past and present about matches that they played in or were involved in that remain highlights for them. Today I'm delighted to be able to chat to current Gloucester rugby star Charlie Sharples. Charlie made his debut in the 2007-08 season as a replacement against London Irish after graduating from the academy. Since that time, he's been a mainstay of the side, making over 250 appearances. During that time, he's won favour with the fans, being voted both young player and player of the season at various times, and has also won international recognition through the under-20s, Saxons and winning four caps for the senior team, scoring two tries. Hello, Charlie. Welcome to the uh, Rugby Buzz. Uh, How are you doing? Yes, very well, thanks.
1: Thanks for having me on
0: yeah it's uh, it's great to uh, great to chat to to you again um we've we've just finished a a rather protracted uh, premiership season uh, or or certainly from from the the main run i know we've got the the semi-finals and so on to, uh, to to go on um quick reflection of the of the season as far as gloucester are concerned well
1: it's certainly been a, a strange old one with the pandemic sort of Cutting right in the middle of it, um, it almost seems like a distant memory—the start of the actual season—and um, the fact that it's just finished now. The whole, the whole situation is is bizarre, um, you know. And from Gloucester's point of view, obviously, having a new coaching squad effectively halfway through the season yes. was a, was certainly a first for me. Um, but no, I think we're coming off the back of last season where we obviously made the playoffs and we were kind of really riding the wave of you know some good momentum um and then we just never really got going this season we showed glimpses of of what we did well last year but i suppose maybe it was teams were starting to to figure us out and and you know see some some holes in the way that we wanted to play and mm. things just weren't going well for us and we were we were losing games that we should have won um and then we obviously went on a, a you know bad run of losses going into the lockdown, uh, which then obviously was the start. You know what effectively was the turnover in all our coaching squad. Um, I guess it was kind of it was an opportunity for for change. It was it was a bit of a surprise, um, but obviously Johan had been uh, you know he'd obviously been exploring other options. Um, Possibly that would have happened at the end of the season, but the timing of it, you know, just so happened that it it was then. And then obviously with, you know, as is often the case, when you lose one coach, it's kind of a bit of an exodus. And we knew Johnny Bell was going anyway. And then, you know, David went and then obviously Tigi went. He was only on a a one-year contract. So it it ended up being a, a massive turnover. And then coming back into sort of July when we've all been locked down for three or four months at home, just keeping fit, Tearing our hair out, and yeah. and then going into a kind of like stage one with all the coronavirus rules, and then stage two, and then finally getting into rugby. And then I suppose these eight games have just flown by, really. Um, and and again, you know, we we've we've shown glimpses of of what we can do. We've had some pretty frustrating defeats. Probably, you know, Bath. Obviously, the last game we played was yeah. was one that I know will sting the boys. And obviously, the week before before that, the uh, that the uh, Harlequins game as well, so yeah, I think it, there, there's lots of positives, and and certainly the last couple of months, I've enjoyed working with the new coaches, and, and I think that they're committed. they well, they're definitely committed to the club. It's great having an all English coaching staff. They're all good guys with lots of Premiership experience, and I really think you know they'll be able to take take the club forward. And um, if we can start to to nail down a bit of consistency, then hopefully. Yeah, you know, the real test will be this next season that we're going to go into now, and and hopefully being able to kick on.
0: Yeah, I mean the the, the change of coaching staff, as you say, was all a bit all a bit weird, and and say may have happened anyway at the at the end of the the normal season had it all gone to to plan. But you know, Gloucester have really invested, as you say, in a in a group of of young English coaches, haven't they? That that hopefully will. Grow with the side that uh, the side that you've got, and that that must be a a, a huge a huge fillip for all of the guys to to see young coaches being given the chance, but also coming in with their new ideas.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think you know with with obviously Alex Brown taking on the role as, as hmm. um, I can't remember what his new role is actually. Commercial, commercial, role? no, chief operations. I chief, know, op- got... <laughs> chief operating <laughs> officer, I think. He's isn't got it, something. Like yeah, like COO, But obviously, you know, he's a guy who. Who cares deeply about the club? He obviously played there for over a decade. He's been involved as the operations manager for God probably another seven seven years. So him taking that step up, you know, he he's sort of seen enough of it and learned enough along his way to know what's right for the club. And then with Lance there as well, you've got a very experienced businessman who's come effectively come out of retirement to to do the the Gloucester job because he he's so passionate about the club and he loves the club so yeah you know, we've got we've got the right people in the right positions at the club um who who are just desperate for the club to move move forward um now obviously the only thing that's stopping us doing that is there's eleven other clubs in the league that are in exactly the same position you know spending to the salary cap um well, or some of them some previously of them, yeah. over it but <laughs> you know spending to the cap with with competitive squads um good coaching staff who are all desperate to win. So I'd say there's one thing that I've certainly seen throughout my, my career is just the league gets closer and closer every year. And, um, you know, what of, I guess, Exeter and Saracens, is what they've, well, we know how Saracens did it, but obviously what Exeter, you know, the way, well, I suppose that's unfair to say that because, you know, they, I think Saracens did obviously build a, something special within their yeah. club. And you can yeah. see that from, from the outside. And with that, they achieved lots of success. Um, you know, we won't go into the rest of it, but then Exeter have, have sort of done something similar, and I guess those are the those are the guys that kind of setting the setting the bar at the moment in terms of where the other teams need to be. And I guess that's up to the coaches and and the people running the organisations to to kind of build a squad and build a, a culture that can um, that can create that. And then ultimately, you're playing you playing squad who who can kind of you know, I guess for us, like I said, the consistency—just being able to deliver week in, week out—we've got a, we've got a talented squad, we've got strength mm-hmm. and depth. Um, we we just need to to sort of know find that that missing piece of the puzzle, but
0: that's the silver bullet, isn't it? Yeah, and and in a strange way, I guess the, um, the, the restart for a, a brand new coaching team was. Was almost um, a, a bit of a, a no pressure thing. I know there is always pressure playing for Gloucester, and, and the expectation is so so high. But coming into that, Saracens had already been relegated. You you know Gloucester were fairly sure that that you you were going to qualify for the new European uh, competition next year. So it did give the the, the coaching team you know. Half a dozen games or so, just to to try a few things and to 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 see about you know. And I know a couple of the you know the, the youngsters, the academy boys, have have got uh, have, have had starts and uh, and come on as as, uh, as replacements. So it's quite a quite a nice time, really, for the coaching staff, I would guess, just to to uh, to see exactly what's at their disposal.
1: No, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, exactly right for them coming in. There w- there wasn't a better time when there's no realistically no pressure on them mm-hmm. because there's no threat of relegation. Um, you know, they're well aware that they they've been strung together, um, pretty quickly. Um, no one's, no one's expecting them to, to, you know, for miracles right from the start. It gave them an opportunity to play the whole squad because of the nature of the, nature of the fixtures, having the midweek games, they got a chance mm-hmm. to see everybody play. they got a chance to see what some of the younger players are about. and. And obviously, by the sounds of it, that'll be part of, you know, Gloucester's system moving forward, you know, trying to keep developing those players through the academy, which we've obviously done over the years. Um, Not to say we've moved away from it, but if you look at the way rugby's going now in terms of the financial impact of this pandemic, I think the whole league will possibly change in the way that the salaries can't keep going up and you can't just keep throwing money at, at players because... The rugby business model isn't sustainable when clubs are making millions of pound losses every year. So you probably clubs are going to have to start, um, developing their, their players from their academy and, and,
0: you know, keeping the, keeping the, the the playing costs down in, in, in that respect yeah definitely and uh, the as you say i think i think the whole pandemic will change the way rugby rugby moves forward and and you know it's been fantastic to see as as I say some of the uh, some of the youngsters getting some game time as well over the last uh, uh, the last couple of weeks um in, in terms of your favourite game, um, the one that you've uh, that you've picked up uh, was twentieth uh, of January two thousand and twelve, so eight and a half years ago. Um, one of those fantastic Friday nights under under lights um, in the Heineken Cup. Um, when Gloucester played uh, played Toulouse, and the, the I mean the Heineken Cup that year hadn't been great for for Gloucester. Uh, they'd only had the two wins against uh, Connacht, uh, home and away, and of course they, they lost to Toulouse twenty one seventeen in the in the first game. Um, going into that game, there wasn't really anything on on for Gloucester. That you know it was a, it was another game. They couldn't qualify. They couldn't go into the uh, to the second tier cup. Um, did that make a difference? Can you remember in terms of the of the build up, or was it pretty much business as usual?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't, I can't remember what the build up was to the game. Obviously, like you said, we weren't we weren't in the group. I think the biggest thing for us would have been just that big occasion, Heineken Cut rugby, at home at King's home, um to lose you know, one of the. Well, I mean they've obviously come back around now, but back then they were again one of the, the big sort of giants of European rugby. Um in our back garden and just I guess that was that was the motivation. Um if I, I remember the game that we played out there, we, we went again, we went to you know, over to France and I think they got a try pretty late on to win the game. Um so it was, you know, that was disappointing that from from our respect that we came so close and we couldn't quite get over the line with it um, I didn't even realise until I was looking at the group I forgot that we'd played Harlequin so I'm surprised yeah. we lost twice <laughs> I can't remember those two games um, I know they were pretty strong round about that time but I'm, I can't remember the home game that we lost to them because I was thinking about it, actually if we'd have probably won we would have. We we probably could have gone all right in that group. Now thinking if we'd have been Harlequins. At home. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, if you'd have if if you'd have picked up the home game against Harlequins, yeah. then then you would have you would have finished runners up at least.
1: Was, was that the bloodgate year though for Harle for Quinns, Was it? I can't remember. I'm thinking now cause they. I think wasn't
0: I, 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 that's a good question. I don't know whether it was that year or the previous year. I must admit, Yeah, I don't know um, Cause they
1: would that they obviously they came second in the group, so they obviously got to the. Um,
0: Knockout stages, didn't they? Well, I, I think they went or into. Did they qualify? The, I, I, don't I think know. they. I think under that, I think they went into the Challenge Cup. I think okay. it was one of those where they went into the chance because Toulouse. Uh, I mean, we'll 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 go on to talk about it, but Toulouse, as a result of of the, the final game at King's Home, ended up with a, a I think an away fixture. Um, in the quarterfinals, where they'd have been uh, hoping for a for a home game, so um, yeah, it really it really put the cat amongst the pigeons as far as um, as far as that's uh, that's concerned. Um, you, you mentioned huge game, you, you know, Toulouse are you know were then and as you say, come back one of the giants of uh, of, of European rugby, but how spe- it always whether you're in the crowd or whether you're watching on TV. Friday night under lights at King's home is just something special, isn't it? What, what's it like to play in?
1: Yeah, it's, I don't know what it is about the evening games. To be honest, I actually don't like the evening games. Okay. just <laughs> purely because you, you, for me, like I get quite sort of anxious and sort of, you know, in the build up to the games and there's also all that sort of pent up and, it, and you just want the game to be done and you just want to be able to relax and when it's a Friday evening game, I just can't switch off. You wake up. From the moment you wake up, the game, that's it. It's on your mind. What are you going to do? You can't really do anything because you, you don't want to go out and waste your energy. You just want to relax and just stay, you know, stay focused. And you just kind of like, yeah, you just lose a day. You're like stuck in the house, like eating, then resting, then you have another meal. Then it's like you pretty much meal. And then it finally gets to the evening. And you're like, oh, gosh, I'm quite i a bit tired now. It's six o'clock. I'm done. <laughs> let's, let's get in my kit and get to the stadium. And then, obviously, as soon as you arrive there, then it's bang, bang, bang. Loads of stuff full of caffeine. Obviously, the, the adrenaline starts coming in. But um, yeah, it's weird how an evening game does build a different atmosphere to a Saturday afternoon. I mean, Saturday afternoon is my favorite kickoff time because it's just you wake up, you play. Actually, the earlier, the better. If it's like a one o'clock kickoff, I love it because you kind of get up, you don't have time to think about it, you play come home, it's like four o'clock. You know, if you want to do something in the afternoon or the evening, you still can see. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but it's not like, it's not the same is it? it's not the same as being under lights. And, um, I remember that was, it was a clear day, wasn't it? I, I, yeah. don't, I remember the weather being good and yeah, they just, they, they came fully loaded. I was looking at their team sheet the other day and I, you know, you see the players on there like Deuce Medard, Quattrano, um, Yannick Joseon in the centre. Um, Got like they. You, you go through their team sheet and you, you're seeing these names jump out. of These French international players and, yeah. um, and and yeah. I guess it was just. I mean, you look at our team sheet as well, and we and that's part of the reason actually why it's one of my favourite games is because and we still talk about it is because there was. You know, we had a really good group of guys who kind of come through that. I'm just trying to think. 2012. That'd been. No, that would have been, we would have been, was Nigel Davis, he would have been the coach then, would he? Or would that uh, be, uh, no, uh, Brushy's no, right, last yeah, year. Right, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Brushy's last year. So we'd kind of had a, we'd built, obviously, the previous year, we had made the playoffs, um, I believe. And we just, we had a real tight-knit group of players. We had some good old-school Gloucester guys like, you know, Hazy and Bucko and, um, you know, some real big characters in the team, Tins, you know, like Simbad. And then there was all us younger players like myself, Freddie, Henry, and Johnny, who were all kind of coming through, and we'd had breakthrough seasons, um, you know, the previous years. So we were kind of on the radar, but we were all just like real good mates. We had a, you know, there was a good feeling, and and, and obviously Henry and Johnny, are, you know, two of my my mm. my best pals. So we we talk about that as a game, you know, a game where you had that result, that atmosphere, you know big occasion of it and just obviously the way we played and the game went the way the game went and I suppose the, the way the game went for all of us because we all kind of had good games because um, you can win a game and if you play badly it does take the gloss off it a bit yeah. um, you know sometimes as much as you're happy when the team wins and you're celebrating you get home and you're like oh it's brilliant you know we've won if you know that you've had a shocker <laughs> you're not really going to think of that as one of your one of your best games um, but yeah I think every you know we just we all played well and yeah that's I think for me that's probably why it, it just stands out um, you know uh, bigger than any of the other the other games that, that I've played in really
0: um, you, you mentioned the you mentioned the sides as, as I say just looking back and and uh, you know looking at the Toulouse side as you, as you say whether it's you know Patrono at fullback or or you know uh, Joseon or, or Fritz in the centre and then you you know they had a a huge pack, uh, as as well expected to come and, and kind of bully you. And then they had this, you know, all star back row Nyanga, Dusitwar, and Pickermolds. Um, yeah, quite a quite a back row uh, back row unit. And you know, up a, up against them, the Gloucester back row, you, know, Alistair Strokosch, uh, Akapusi and Kera and and Luke Narrowway. And if we're honest, by the end of the by the end of the game, the Gloucester back row had had you know. More than matched, uh, more than matched that, and and starred because th- those three were everywhere, weren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know that was obviously Q was a, a special player in his mm. in his heyday, and then you know in in Nas and you know, Strokes, you got you, we had a real bat there, um, and then Nas obviously a super skillful um, bat row. So pretty good when you look at that on on paper. You know, you'd say there's a pretty good balance there to our back row. Um, yeah, definitely. But still, like look at, you know, you, you talk about those three guys Nianga, Deuce, Twa, and the anger, and and Pickemoles, and um, yeah, it's a scare. That, that, that's a big back row for any team.
0: It is, yeah, definitely. And and of course, the you know the other thing that stands out for me in the in the Gloucester side, you, you touched on it, but you know the back three, Johnny at fullback, and then yourself and Simbad on the on the wings. I mean, you know, that's that's just an, an all star back uh, back three, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that, I think and that was the, a lot of the time when I played with Johnny, obviously, you know, I've pl- I played a bit of fullback throughout my career when he's yeah. been on the wing and he's played a bit of fullback when I've been on the wing. Um, but that would have been one of the few games where I would have got a chance to play with him and Sinbad. And, and for me, when I was growing up, Sinbad was one of my favourite players. So I always loved, you know, whenever I got to play with Sinbad, it, I always loved it. And then obviously Johnny was my best mate. So being able to play with Johnny as well, um, and Timba. That again. That's part of the reason you just think like it's brilliant, just being out there with with your hero and and your pal, and just doing doing what you love doing on on a fantastic stage in front of a, a packed out King's zone. Um, and, and I suppose that's why I've, I've got those real positive memories from that occasion.
0: Yeah, I mean the the game itself. Um, we, we were we were chatting before we came on air. I mean, it was it was actually a dreadful start for Gloucester because in in the first minute, um, Nick Wood got yet uh, got Sinbin'd. Um Reckless use of the boot, I think, was uh, was um, uh, exactly what it what it was for.
1: Um, <laughs> I, and- I was going to say I forgot what I got sinbinned for. I do remember that now. Oh, Woody. That
0: well. <laughs> I was going to say he had a he had a habit of uh, of uh, of getting either sinbinned or sent off, didn't he? In the first uh, first minute or both. so, he did at Sarries, didn't he? And uh, uh, famously again for for uh, reckless use of the boot. So you know, a minute in, you're up against this, this you know Toulouse side, um, and you're down to fourteen, and yet uh, you know Gloucester take the ball, Freddie uh, Freddie kicks ahead, and. Uh, you know, Simbad and, uh, Simbad and Johnny put real pressure on their, uh, on their winger. Taking well, no, it behind. Real, so
1: play- I remember, I, I remember that bit. So they had this winger, the Fijian winger who was absolutely carving up and he'd scored like some ridiculous tries and he, his feet were unbelievable. I remember like, we obviously looked at that game. He was one of their real danger players. Yeah. And, I just remember that. I do remember that at the start of the game where we kicked on him and I was chasing because I was in the kick chase with Johnny. I can't. I don't know whether Sinbad was in it as well. I don't know if he would have been, but I was definitely in it and, and Johnny, obviously Johnny scored the try. And I just remember this guy like trying to step us all like out of the try line. And yeah. he was there. He, he basically did. He was like running away from me and then he running away to someone else then he run, and I was like, surely he's not going to break from behind the try line here. <laughs> he's just sort of like running around, running away from us. And then he would to kick it and then kicked it straight into Q's hands and then the ball was just on the floor and I just remember Johnny jumping on it and I was like oh, oh my god he just scored it was like yeah well he might he have been he back.
0: might have been better off <laughs> trying to step trying to step you all but uh, you know the kick uh, you know to try and kick out of uh, out of there with all that pressure on as I say and it just it just popped down and and Johnny flops on it and um and suddenly you you know, with the conversion, you're seven nil, seven nil up. So what started as a, a not a great start turned into uh, quite a good one. But surprise, surprise, Toulouse came. Uh, you know, came back. They scored a couple of tries um, to take to uh, to seventeen seven. Um, I think the the first one, um, I think it was it was that man Dussatoire, I think. Picked up from the back of a ruck and then out sprinted Rory Lawson to go uh, to go under the posts and and it's uh, it, it's all square and then as you say the the Fijian winger then uh, profited that there was some lovely hands across the uh, across the backs there and and suddenly a seventeen seven down.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I remember that try actually. I remember they ran a straight move, didn't they? And they just yeah, that was just a fairly simple. I can't remember what happened in defence. It would have been
0: some. Someone would have bitten in. I yeah, it was. Better. It was just. It was just quick. It was just really quick hands. Uh, you, you know, as you, as you say, uh, I think one of the centres had popped in just a, perhaps a little bit too much, and and then suddenly they, they had the uh, the the overlap, and uh, and he was uh, he was in. But you know, good old good old Gloucester though didn't uh, you know didn't give up, and then ten minutes ten minutes after that, I think Johnny feels a kick. Uh, just outside is 22 and then puts you in uh, well not in a little bit of space actually it was fairly tight on the uh, on the the touch line um, and then you go whizzing past four or five defenders and um, and and off you go up the uh, up the field I think uh, Naz, Naz then picked it up and uh, went right up to the line and uh, recycled and as you say Q had uh, Q before you knew it he'd gone over but what do you remember, remember about that one?
1: Yeah, no, I remember that one, yeah. So, obviously, I guess that's the thing in games. You, you know, you ride those periods of momentum um, and, and if you watch any rugby game, there's always momentum swings. Yeah. Um, and obviously, at that point, we're behind. And then, if you look at the back three that we picked that day, I suppose, <laughs> we weren't going to kick it much. We weren't. There, there was one threat that we had and that was a, a running threat. And I remember Johnny, obviously created a little bit of, space for me on the edge and I was able to to put the afterburners on and and make the break and then uh, saw I think it was strokes inside me and I remember feeding him the ball and then thinking oh I think he just got stopped short the line and actually like I got a bit of um, white line fever there (laughs) because instead of (laughs) blasting the ruck which I should have done um, I was trying to like pick the ball pick and go and score (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> luckily, which of course on,
0: you, you were able to I do all the, the time ball Charlie ball,
1: the ruck, yeah. it like it was it was like quick ball I remember the ball was in the ruck and I, was, I don't know what went through my head but I'm like I'm gonna pick the ball up and I'm just gonna thank god someone came behind me and then just like rucked me as well that's why that ruck's a little bit slow no one probably knows that because if I would have just done a good job and just smoked that ruck then that ball would have been quick but obviously we scored anyway so it was all right but then that ruck ends up being a little bit slow because I was <laughs> I was trying to get my hands on it to, to pick and go but um, yeah and then it was just obviously we'd made the, made the line break um, some good some good hands on the edge I um, think it was was it, was it Freddie was Freddie who was was it Freddie made the pass I just I remember just a nice nice like execution overlap yeah it was it end. was
0: three passes I think uh, Rory to, and, yeah, to Freddie no, it, I think it might be um, uh, Elliot that, that that actually made the the final pass into uh, yeah, into, to, to into Q but yeah
1: just simple overlap and then obviously we scored and yeah, and then obviously we're right back in the game then, um, and that's all it takes, isn't it? Just a moment of something, just a, a little bit of magic in a game, and you're you're
0: back in it. Yeah, as you say, it's it's momentum swings, and and that that kind of took you uh, took you into to half time a couple of couple of points down. But the the other the final thing in the first half, I just wanted to to. Um, see if you had any particular memories of there was a, there was a lovely piece down the the right-hand side involving you and you and Q. And, and he gave an absolutely outrageous offload under the, under the arm to you. And then you did exactly the same. You went, you went down towards the try line and did almost exactly the same, a beautiful, uh, beautiful offload. And he he drops, drops he drops it, he drops it just short of the line. And, And you just think, you know, those two bits of skill alone, Deserved, uh, deserved that try. But I don't
1: think so. I was expecting it was one of those offloads where you're not expecting it. because He literally, like, it was, yeah, you know, it was unbelievable. It was like yeah. blind offload, hand yeah. out, out the back, and it almost took me by surprise catching it, and I sort of caught it, and then obviously I wasn't expecting to get the ball, so then I tried to go on the outside of this player when I was about a metre away from the touchline, um, and obviously luckily he didn't. Put me in touch, but um, I then had to obviously get the offload. So I managed to get the offload back into queue, and, and then he he obviously fumbled it, um, which was a shame because that would have been a nice. I don't know whether he would have scored, but it would have been a nice. Uh, yeah,
0: nice he wasn't he, he wasn't far out, and he, you know, again, when he was that that close, he was fairly difficult to stop, wasn't he? So uh, it, it you know it would have been uh, would have been close, but um, but yeah, pity it hadn't resulted in a in a try. But um, so you, you go in at half-time uh just just down um i i think the the thing that stood out for for me not only in the first and second half was just you know just how you took the game to Toulouse. and and what w- what was said at half time was it very much you know carry on as you are going or was there any uh, yeah, any, I, any special
1: i i don't know but i think like when you i can't remember but i you know i know when you're in that position in a game and you go in and you you've had a really you've had some pos- uh, some pastures of really positive play, then you obviously have your tails up, you know, you've got the wind in your sails and you're kind of going in there, everyone's like, we're in this, you know, we, we've got this. And there's always that feeling like that excitement. Um, it's almost a nice place going into halftime. Often, obviously, if you go into half time and you're getting battered, it's like, oh, it's a bit of a rocket up, you know, <laughs> rocket up your backside. If you go in and you're so far ahead, it's always like, Come on, boys! It's nil-nil. Let's forget about the score. <laughs> yeah. But naturally, you get complacent, and the other team comes into it. Um, so it's kind of nice to go into the changing room when you're on a bit of an upward trend of momentum, and you can see that the other teams on the ropes a little bit, and you kind of you put them there, um, and 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 you, things are starting to come off. You're starting to have some nice, you know, like the the you know with me and Q, just little bits. Like you feel like you're breaking them, and there's little bits of and pieces that are coming off, and um, you can start to see some cracks showing in the opposition. Um, so yeah, probably just doing really a fairly standard sort of team talk, just to, you know, stick at it, stay in it. Um and
0: then I can't, what happened after half time yeah i mean i mean it, it just early early part of uh, early part of the second up it, 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 what happened after half time I, I think you might have scored just uh, just shortly after uh, after half time um, yeah minute. <laughs> was, i can remember say, the moments but i can't <laughs> i like, we spoke before you I, I i did watch the
1: highlight reel of that game like i think last year actually it popped up on something i watched yeah. it so I, but I can't. Obviously, I haven't watched the whole game. Probably since
0: the week after we played it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, forty seventh minute. Um, and and it was a it was a weird start because, um, George Clancy kind of penalizes Toulouse. He's he's playing advantage for Gloucester. Freddie's got the ball and he kind of thinks, "Well, we'll take a penalty then." And uh, he yeah, stops. he's hopping around, isn't he? He he stops and and I think Clancy just says, "No, carry on, just just carry on." And then he he plays it out. I think to. to he, he goes on a bit of a dart the and then tins. And, yeah, and he, tins. he sort
1: of pops and, around for a bit and then he loops yeah. it over and then Tins is is on the edge and puts the kick through. And then, yeah, yeah, no, I remember. And then obviously me and Johnny were having
0: a race for the ball, yeah. <laughs> which you let him, which you let him beat you to because you, you knew he'd pass it to you to well, score. It bounced
1: then. up for him. It bounced up for him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, uh,
1: and then he was very graciously fed me the ball inside for the, for the try. Um, but yeah, again, I suppose you look at that and it's just another, Another moment in a game, and I guess that kind of summarizes our team from back then. Um, we we um, and what we always have been is, you know, we are a team who are capable of moments of brilliance. That, but then, yeah, that, like that. Like if you look at, I mean, without going into this season, that is that is Gloucester and has been Gloucester in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. as long as I've been there these amazing moments of, of brilliance, these tries that we can score that no one else can score, but just not being able to like actually, you know, grind it out and, and sometimes just have that, that, that consistency that an 80 minute performance um, requires to, to sometimes just to get out a result and not capitulate at 60 minutes or let another team come back in or, or whatever it is. Um, but obviously it, it, on that particular occasion, it, it, it it paved us, and it all worked out well. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, that, you know, another try, and then suddenly we've got the lead.
0: Yeah, you, so you put you, you're back in the lead. Uh, you know, Toulouse hit back again. The Fijian uh, Fijian goes over after uh, after you know Buxis, uh you know goes on a bit of a bit of a dart, brings level, um, and then of course the the, the the kind of finish off five or six minutes before the uh, before the end, and again it was another brilliant Gloucester try. Um, you know, Sinbad collects the ball in his own uh, in his own twenty-two. Yeah, you know, he's great feet. A yeah, yeah, absolutely, great feet. Beats uh, beats the defense, and then just puts Johnny away, who doesn't need any uh, any second invite. He just, uh, as you say, puts the afterburners on, and he's uh, he's gone. And um, again, another fantastic try, which typifies uh, typifies Gloucester, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um... Yeah, I think we just summarised it in the previous point, just kind of that was us in a nutshell. And we had that ability to to strike and score tries out of nothing, which we still do well. Um, but I suppose, you know, you looking at the previous uh, the previous week, when, or not the previous week, but the previous fixture when we'd, we'd played to lose and we'd obviously put ourselves, teed ourselves up in a position to win it. Um, and then, you know, we didn't have that ability to kind of grind it out and, and play that percentage rugby, or um, what, what, whatever it was in, on that particular occasion, to, to obviously see the game over the line. So um, for this for this game, obviously, you know, you look at those three three tries effectively out of nothing. They weren't set piece tries. It wasn't yeah. pressure tries. It wasn't you know thirty phases in the opposition twenty two. It was just um, moments of individual um, doing things. You know making things happen, uh, whether it was Freddie, obviously, you know, the past, the Tins, or um, Sinbad stepping, you know, creating something out of nothing on on the edge um, and then Johnny having the pace to finish it. So, but it makes for good rugby, doesn't it? It's good for watch. Oh, it, it, absolutely. And,
0: and again, you know, ahead of uh, ahead of this chat to to be able, you, you know, I remembered it at the time, and but you, you forget, don't you? And you, you watch it back, and you just you, you know, I am sat there watching it, and I am just purring. It is just it, it's just unbelievable rugby, and uh, you know, to be able to to produce and be part of that is something quite special.
1: Yeah, and and to be fair, credit to Toulouse because their tries were, you know, it was. I guess it was a to watch the games in neutral, it would have been a pretty good, yeah, pretty good spectacle of rugby because Toulouse did score some good tries as well, and um, yeah, just pleased that it was a, a Gloucester win that night. Otherwise, we might not be talking about that game right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and uh, as uh, you know. When you put it into context, I think—I uh, said to you before—just just looking at the prep for uh, prep for the chat, um, Gloucestershire Live did a did a poll about, you know, amongst Gloucester fans for the uh, for their favourite uh, uh, victories, Gloucester victories of all time, and and that one ranks in the in the top ten. So you know, if you if you think of all the all the magnificent victories Gloucester have had over the uh, over the years, um, just shows just what what a special game it was
1: no exactly and i i guess i've touched on it but you know special for me special in all aspects special because it was against you know it was in the Heineken Cup it was the biggest competition you can play in um it was against one of the biggest teams you could play against it was a it was at home packed out Kings home, so you've got all those elements to it and then obviously the the personal element to me in terms of like I, I said playing with my friends and and that team at, at that time um so yeah, it just it, it ticks all those ticks all those boxes, and even though I can't remember all the moments from the games, uh, you, you know, from the games or from that game, um, that will always be the one for me. When people say, "Oh, what was your favourite game?" And, and it's an easy one, and for, for those reasons,
0: yeah, 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 it's it's fabulous to uh, to to just look look back at it, and you you touch on uh, you, you touch on having. You know Johnny in the side and and you know one of your uh, one of your best mates and of course he's he's back at Gloucester so how, how good is it to have him back or oh, not?
1: It, <laughs> no it's good no I'm thrilled it was you know I think it was a shock to everyone when he left um, and it was I mean if you look at it it was a decision that he kind of he, he felt he' obviously had to he had to make at the time because of his international ambitions now whether or not things have gone well for him actually being at Leicester. I mean, on a personal note, he's, I'd say he's, he's been pretty consistent there. He's scored a lot of tries for them. He's been a good player for them. They, you know, they probably had their money's worth out of him. Um, but obviously, in terms of Leicester doing well, not so much <laughs> over the last few years. Uh, but then, yeah, internationally, he's kind of made himself a, you know, a, 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 a main feature in that England team. He's nailed down that shirt. I don't think he's missed, missed the game. England pretty much since he's been at Leicester. So in that regard it's worked out well and I think he says himself now that his heart is is, is always been at Gloucester and uh having that opportunity to come back to the club that he obviously came to through the Academy um was something that he, he wanted to do and it it's good to have him back and you know with him coming back now, bringing all that experience that, that he's got from from being a fifty fifty cap player. Yeah. Um and then also, you know, just having having uh, you know, my pal, you know, good a good friend come back and get to see a bit more of him when he's not in his hyperbaric chamber at home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, as as uh, as the Johnny May of of 2020, has he has, has he matured nicely now from when he left or
1: yeah that he same old Johnny? No, he's he's not. I'd say he's definitely um he's definitely matured, matured a lot. Um I think he's one of those players whose commitment to, you know, to his, to his craft and to, to, to rugby is you can't fault it. Um, you know, he's, he's probably one of the most diligent people, um, that I know. And it's not easy to do that because obviously, you know, life is a balance and, um, to, to, to have that, uh, to be able to put, you know, all that, that focus and, and, you know, into his recovery and his preparation and, you know, you have to take your hat off to it, and that's you know, I'd I say to him, I, I always you know, admire that about him. Um, it's not something a lot of players are able to do, uh, and, and you can see that it's obviously you know, proven prove dividends for him, um, in, in getting him to, to where he is. Um, but I, I wouldn't want to have to, I wouldn't want to come home and spend. Two hours in, in my hyperbaric chamber every
0: <laughs> day. <laughs> it's all it's all relative, Charlie, isn't it? But no, that's 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 fab to uh, that's fab to hear, and it's certainly great for uh, for Gloucester to have him uh, have him back uh, back there. And and we touched on as with the Toulouse game, what a you know fab back three uh, Gloucester had at that stage. But you look at the back three options that you've got now, and it's pretty scary, isn't it?
1: Yeah, we've got a really really good balance, I'd say in the back three at the moment um in terms of you know youth and experience someone like uh lou Samet coming through this year who's who's got a really bright future ahead of him Mm. um and then you've got the older heads in myself and, and banners and johnny and then ollie who's obviously been around for a few years now um still still obviously got lots to learn but you know he's He's an ambitious young man, and he's he's very dedicated and committed to learning. And, and I'm sure he's got a, you know, he's obviously got a, a good future with Gloucester. But after him, his, his challenge now is whether he can he can break into that that England team. Um, and yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to to watch watch how that unfolds because. As, as always in, in international rugby, there's lots and lots of competition for places and yeah. hopefully they'll get an opportunity at some stage, You know, whether it's this going to this block of international, international fixtures, I don't know, um, because that's all you need. You just need, you, you need your opportunity and then it's, yeah. you know, it's up to you whether you take it. Um, some players only get one opportunity, some might get half a dozen. Um, so you just have to be ready when it does come to you.
0: Yeah exciting times ahead I think for uh, for Gloucester particularly with that uh, with with that back uh, back three. Um just to just to finish off um Charlie uh, I mean obviously you you're you're nearer I guess the end of your career than you were at the, at at the start but what what comes next for Charlie? <laughs> That's certainly a polite way of putting it. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah I've I've obviously got two years left at Gloucester and mm. um, you know my body's not been kind to me the last couple of years in terms of in terms of injuries and it's frustrating because they've been some of them fairly innocuous and I'm generally always contact injuries um but then I, I guess I'd like to think I'm I'm always a committed player and I'm not the biggest of guys and the way I play the game I try and be physical um it's probably always going to come a point where you're going to start coming off second best um whether that's whether that that's just bad luck or, you know, hopefully uh hopefully that is just the case because um, you know, when I do nail down the, uh, you know, start start playing and, and, and getting those, you know, consistency in my training, I do still feel really good and um, I I feel like I've got got lots to offer. So I've got two years left to play and I just wanna just throw everything at that really and and uh, and make that a good two seasons and I'm I'm really excited about the uh obviously the coaches who are here and you know I really want to play for them and and be a part of a Gloucester team that's gonna move forward and, and and hopefully achieve something. hopefully that'll be in the next couple of years or or whether it's it's further you know further than that hopefully I can play a a big part in that um you know I'm not ready to to roll over and let people play ahead of me. I'm still um you know having having played for for over a decade in that team yeah. you know i'm not I still want to um to play every game now. Obviously, with players there who are now ahead of me, the challenge for me is to put pressure on them, and um, I guess it's a different um, a different role for me than, than what I have had. Uh, but but I'm still committed to to improving as a player and uh, and trying to improve Gloucester as a team. Um, what what happens after that? I don't know whether I can. You know, I'd love to. I'd love to keep playing beyond that, but it, it's hard. I guess just see how these next two years go in terms of. Um, my fitness and and you know ha- how much rugby I can play um but I, I've i got some you know I, I've been doing some studying um I've got my textbook here in front of me on my desk actually for my next exam in uh in financial planning so I've got one more exam and then I've got my uh diploma in regulated financial planning so um I've been I've been working on that for the last three years I was hoping to have it I know four years I was hoping to have it nipped in the bud by now but I've had three kids since I started my first exam, so it's taken a it's taken a little bit longer than I would have liked. Um, but I'm nearly there, so yeah, get this get this exam done. And um, I've been getting some work experience as well. Um, so yeah, I am conscious that obviously the my journey is is coming to an end. Whether it's in two years or three years or four years, it's not going to be a lot beyond that because you know I'm I'm thirty one now, and I don't want to play. I don't want to play rugby forever. Um, You know, I don't want to suck all the the joy and all the lifeblood out of it. I also want to be able to walk away from it in one piece, which is is less and less likely every time I get on the field at the moment. But um, yeah, at least I've got some, um, you know, I think coming through as a young player and seeing a lot of my friends retire, um, whether it's through injury or just reaching the end of their careers, it's made me very mindful of, um, how finite your rugby career is and, and how proactive you have to be in, in, in making sure you set yourselves up for something afterwards. Um, so yeah, I, I've always, I think the last probably four years, I've been well probably on six, six years. Cause I'd, I'd managed to do a degree before I did my, before I started this, um, that that was, um, so I've got my degree and then obviously I'm trying to get this, this diploma. So I've yeah probably the last six years I'd say probably since my mid twenties I've been like right I've played enough PlayStation and done enough cinema trips now in my early twenties I need to start start thinking about the future
0: yeah we 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 we. I've just done a podcast with uh, with Pete Lambeau, who, of course, played in the in the the nineties, and you know, we we chatted about um, how important it is for for rugby players these days, in particular, to to have that one eye on on the future, and uh, um, and and you mentioned work experience, and and it's fab to to hear that you've you've been able to get out there and do some work experience which you know i think is so so important for for the rugby players and the local businesses to to try and marry that up and um and and, and try and give you guys a helping hand
1: yeah i think it's brilliant and obviously we're very fortunate at gloucester that we've got such a great um you know community of local businesses who who support the club and there's some really passionate supporters within that who you know a lot lot of times we'd we'd bend over backwards to help help the players and that in itself is a fantastic opportunity because not many people would would have access to that and and were it not for the rugby we wouldn't either so you kind of have to try and maximise those opportunities really um, while you're playing and people do want to talk to you and do you know are happy to let you come in and do some work experience Um, you'd kind of be silly to not to not make the most of that um I guess the hardest thing really is that certainly even for me, I guess I, I came through an academy. I came through the academy from when I was 14 and mm. the last two years of school was very much, I did my A-levels, but it was very, very rugby focused. And I think for the kids now, like they're even more institutionalized in terms of getting into the rugby, the academy's young and then into that kind of like rugby, um, it's yeah, almost a training. Yeah, like yeah. almost like semi professional while well, they're at school, the amount of yeah. like professional really the amount of training they're doing while they're at while they're learning and and, and, and then you just get institutionalized into being a, a rugby player and it becomes very difficult to know what what else you're good at and what else you want to do. Um and that's kind of where you do need help from people to to make you realise what your skill sets might be but also what do you go into when you spend this is, you know, this is my 14th season as a professional. I'll have 15 years, we'll be the end of next year plus, you know, five years. So in the academy, so yeah. it's 20 years. It's all you've known, and then imagine just you, you tear that up, and it's like right, you do something else. But what else do you know? Because your identity is a rugby player, and all you've known is playing rugby and being a rugby player. Um, you've never had, you've never worked in a business. You you don't know what you like, you don't know what else you like. And that's obviously where you have to try and make the most of the flexibility that rugby offers you in terms of, we don't train um, eight hours a day. You know, we have a couple of long days a week, but we do have plenty of free time that, that yes, you know, that's important to use that time for recovery and, and, and making, you know, being professional and making sure that you're in a good shape to train the next day, but also you can use that time to, to explore explore those business opportunities or whatever it is learning um, insights into, into different um, you know industries just to try and figure out what you might want to do um, and I think that's probably the biggest challenge actually for a lot of certainly a lot of sports people certainly rugby players is just figuring out what you what you actually want to do when you when you retire because again you, you need it's got to be something that can sustain you as somebody in your 30s with a mortgage and potentially a family um, so you, you don't have the luxury that a, a student coming out of university might have in terms of just going and doing an unpaid internship for two years or, or whatever. You, you do have to try and make sure all that pre- preparation is done while you're while you're playing.
0: Yeah, and and as as uh, when I chatted to Glanners about it, you know that work experience is is as important to find out what you don't want to do as what you as what you do want to do, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that's actually probably more important. If you, if you know, if you if you put all your eggs in one basket, or you you've made a, a decision you're going to do something, but you haven't actually tried it, um, then you don't know if you're going to like it. No. Um, and I think that that can happen to a lot of people when they when they do retire, they go into something, they realize, oh god, actually, this isn't for me. I don't like this at all. Um, so yeah, it's it's certainly one of the you know there's loads of upsides that come to to being a professional athlete and. It's a it's a fantastic opportunity and a privilege, you know, if you're fortunate enough to to get to that situation through skill and hard work and talent or whatever it is. But the double edged sword is <laughs> is it's it's also it doesn't last forever. So you, you have to know that that chapter is going to close at some point, and you're going to have to start a new chapter. And um, you know, I guess to go into it with the the motivation. Um, and the commitment that you, you can that you you've shown throughout your your sporting career, um, that's the challenge, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, e- exactly. And you know you bring huge uh, huge attributes in the world of sport, don't you, to to any business? So, um, you know that uh, that works uh, works both ways. We, we won't we won't see Charlie coaching then, will we? Or, or staying in rugby? Is that no, no? I've never. That's one thing I've never
1: has never really appealed to me. Um, You know, I I wouldn't want to stay into rugby. There's not many jobs really that, you know, if you do want to stay in rugby, like the the strength and conditioning jobs, the guys that we've got are incredibly well qualified. A lot of them, you know, they've got masters. Um, So they've been, they've done internships, they've done university, they've done their masters, they've done their internships to get to where they are. Um, Again, that's quite a difficult route for a player to then go through. Um, The coaching is always an easy one, but it's not really an easy one because good players don't make good coaches. And I think the volatility in coaching is probably even more so than what you have as a player. Um, And and unless you really want to commit to that nomadic lifestyle that, I mean, I'm lucky because I've played my whole career at Gloucester, but some players might play five or six clubs and they have to move around they have to move their families around the kids have to move schools they have to move countries um, and you know that's not necessarily a bad thing that can sometimes be the making of people but it's also it, it's not for everyone is it and and not having that security not being able to put down roots um, you know you look at there's not many coaches who've been at clubs for 10 years plus um, I mean Rob backs is probably the only one in the premiership mm-hmm. isn't he um, So all those other guys you you have to be prepared to to, to bounce around. Um, And also they work flipping hard, the coaches they have, you know, you're, if you're doing it, if you're doing it right and you want to be a good coach, you're in early and you're, you know, there's a lot more than just standing on the pitch, blowing a whistle. They have to watch a huge, they have to do a lot of analysis. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, So unless you're really sure that that's what you want to do. And, And I've never really, I've known that that's not for me because I've, you know you do a bit of coaching in the community community and that's fine you know you coach a few kids at schools but it's never been like it's i know it's not my calling because i'm not i'm not even very good at coaching them so i'm not going to be able to coach adults <laughs>
0: well at least you're honest about uh, at least you're honest about that um charlie it's been uh, been fabulous to uh to to chat to you and get an insight into into what's happening at gloucester but um and and talk about that fantastic game at uh you know back in 2012 and also really enjoyed the uh the the, the last chat about what happens next and um, a really good insight into um, you know, the decisions that professional sportsmen have to uh, have to take. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it and um, speak to you again soon. Yeah, no worries, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this week's Rugby Buzz. We hope you enjoyed it. Next week, the man who holds the record for the most premiership appearances for Gloucester, Nick Wood, joins us to chat about a brilliant win at the rec in 2012 when Gloucester defeated old rivals Bath. We've been busy behind the scenes too, and are delighted to announce that you can now get your hands on some superb sporting memorabilia in our brand new online shop. There are options to buy signed prints only, or have them framed. It's entirely up to you. Visit our website, www.hnhb.buzz, for more details, and have a look what's on offer. Thanks again for listening, and look forward to joining you again next week. In the meantime, be safe.